thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Academy H. It's been a little while. We appreciate you sticking around during another unfortunate but much-needed editing hiatus. And it means so much to us that you're still here, listening to our silly little show about teen superheroes. My name is Will. If you didn't already know, hopefully, this is not your first episode, it might be a little confusing. Just a quick update before we get into the episode, since the last episode was released in podcast form, we finished our fundraising drive for the First Nations Development Institute. We hit our goal of $2,000, thanks entirely to the generosity of our audience and our community, and we have since moved on to supporting Rainbow Railroad, which is a fantastic nonprofit that seeks to help LGBTQ individuals in dangerous situations get to somewhere safe, whether that be a different country or city or region or anything like that. We are still recording this show live on Twitch every other Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is where we do the majority of our fundraising. So if you'd like to donate, uh, maybe stop by for a recording session. We'd love to see you there in the chat. It's a good time. And you get to experience this show in its raw and unedited format with all of the chaos that entails. Anyway, that's a whole lot of talking, but welcome back. Hope you stick around, and I hope you enjoy... Academy H, Danny Carseed's Bogus Journey. Hello, how are you? This is Academy H. This is a Masks actual play podcast that we record live here on the internet. Uh, So I think we probably can just go ahead and get on into our introductions. And it has been a minute. I think we all know. Brendan goes first. Hey, Brendan. Hey, it was ready this time, probably. Uh, I am Brendan. I am obviously one of the players here on this here show. I play Alex Sandowski, a.k.a. Victory, using the Legacy Playbook. Uh, When I'm not doing that, I also run uh, one of our bi-weekly Tuesday games, Missing Numbers, the Eldritch Horror Pokemon sports anime that I decided needed to exist. Uh, I also ran and recorded and helped to edit our other podcast, Crypto Community College. Uh, and then when I'm not doing any of that stuff, I do occasionally run game tabletop games for people that are very good. Um, so good, in fact, that they pay me money to do it. If you would like to learn more about that, you can email me at creative.catacombs at gmail.com. Very good. And welcome back. A long hiatus. You know them. You love them. Jamie. Hi. <laughs> I'm done. No, uh, hi. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm Jamie. I play uh Danny Carseed, aka the stage, a name I think we've used twice this whole time. I am a comedian based out of the Pacific Northwest, uh, who gets very busy around holiday season, which is why I've been gone for I want to say like two and a half months at this point, which is a bummer to say out loud. But I'm back, and I should be back for the foreseeable future. So if you hated me and were glad when I was gone, I'm so sorry. I'm here again, and I'm never going away until I something. I mean, things happen. I may go away. I hope I don't go away. I hope I'm here forever, and you your hate turns to love. Um. Anyway, I I am insane today. Uh, you can follow me on all sorts of socials at a Jamie Carbone. I uh do a lot of great stand-up. Uh, my goal is to actually do a bunch of tours um, this year. So if you like me as a person and you want me to come to my area, please let me know in some way, shape, or form, and I will do my best to 
plan something in that area and come see you. And then you can be like, hey, I watch you play this game. And I'm like going to be like, I'm sorry I'm insane all the time. So I'm done. You know, if you go, if you go on like play a bunch of shows, do a bunch of shows in other places, you'll, you'll have to get on an airplane and that'll lead to so much great comedy material, you know, with, with, with the food. What's and, the deal with their food? Yeah, it's so it's bad. I mean, w- will we ever know at this point? It's been it's been a long time. And the question has not been answered. What are they covering up? I don't know. Speaking of airplanes, JD. <laughs> what a segue. Incredible. Well, Good job. I panicked. And that's great because now I'm panicking. I was like prepared, but now I'm not because how can I follow any of this? Um, hi, I'm JD. Uh, tonight for Academy H, I am playing Casimir Bright, aka Spectral, who uses the Scion playbook. And I think that is all I can say for now, although there are several things on the horizon. We love a horizon. And Julia. Hi, I'm Julia. I'm the local Delaware cryptid. You can find me at HexWhat on pretty much all social media platforms. Recently, I've been on Twitter just causing problems on purpose. I am playing Lyra Kroll, who also goes by Bethel. She uses the Janus playbook. I am also part of the Every Other Tuesday game class reunion where I play Kelly Violet, who is a horrible cleric rogue hybrid up to highwayman activity and that is all i have currently going on uh hi my name is will i am one of the gms and the organizers here at live in the apocalypse but anyway well that being said i think it has been far too long since we have played this game so let's get into academy h shall we? So last time we played, we went to therapy. And that was the session, basically. That was, a, uh, that was how we answered our end of session moves. But one person was noticeably absent from that particular experience and a few of the events leading up to that therapy session. And one of the reasons why is because something mysterious happened to Danny Carseat. Not too long ago. Danny Carseat, you you'd open a portal, much like any other portal, like you had done a thousand times before. You and your squad mates stepped through. But you did not emerge from the other end of the portal. They did. You were missing. And I think that is where we will begin our story with Danny Carseat. You step out of a portal into a place that you do not recognize. You are standing in a place that is... It's disconcerting. Everything is too much. It looks like a, a normal wood. It looks like a normal forest, except everything is just a little too much. Everything is a little too saturated, a little too vivid, a little too bright. And you are alone. Danny will take like a quick look around and because it's so bright, Danny will reach into his overalls and pull out a pair of sunglasses and then throw those away and pull out a second pair of sunglasses and put those on. And then (laughs) uh, he'll call out. Hey, hello. Did they? I have been ditched. Hello? Hello? Even your voice, even the sound of your own voice, is a little bit too much. It's a little too loud, a little too clear. 
at that, Danny will panic a little bit. Danny doesn't like it when things about him change, and he will start to... Danny's going to open a portal and just walk through. You open a portal, and you step through it. But when you step out the other side, it's like stepping through a hula hoop. You step through one side, you step out on the other. You put your foot down next to where you were standing a second ago. The portal doesn't go anywhere. It's just this sort of open circle in the space, glowing with magenta energy, but doesn't seem to be taking you anywhere. Danny is going to stand so that he can see both sides of the portal from the other end and then put his arm through and see if it comes through. You're just trying to put your arm through the portal? Yeah, just to see if uh, Danny is stuck in, like, getting teleported to exact same places or Mm. is staying in the same area. You are staying in the same place. When you put your arm through it, you see it pass through to the other side. Again, just like there was a ring, an empty ring hanging in the air right in front of you. Danny is going to toss the sunglasses through the portal. They fall to the grass on the other side. Danny's going to panic a little bit. Danny's going to start muttering to himself, just like, this is not how this works. My portal's open. They take me to a place. The place is usually where I want to go. Sometimes it's not where I want to go, but it's where I need to be. And right now, I am stuck here, which means maybe I need to be here. Why do I need to be in Bright Woods? Why do I need to be somewhere? None of my friends are. Where are my friends? Have I time traveled again? Am I even further in the past? I don't don't think I've ever been to this place forest before, but that's okay. I like the woods, but I don't know where everybody is. Danny's going to pull out his cell phone while he's muttering to himself and check if he has any bars. You do not have any signal, as far as you can tell, but as you look at the display screen of the phone, it beeps as if a text message just came through. And looking at the message itself, it appears to be an elaborately created arrow out of brackets and greater than symbols and less than symbols pointing pretty much directly in front of you. And at the bottom, it says this way. Danny's going to pivot the phone with his body to see if the arrow changes. It does. It shifts to pointing back the way you were facing a second ago. All right, phone. You and I now have an uneasy alliance until we get out of here. And Danny will follow the arrow. The arrow leads you through the woods. You step between the trees. There is no path as near as you can tell, but the arrow points you unerringly in a single direction. You walk for maybe about 10, 15 minutes. It's very hard to say. But ahead, you start to see something shining through the trees, almost like a mirror or something reflecting the too bright sunlight. It's hard to tell, but you can see it through the tree line up ahead. Danny will cautiously walk towards it, but Danny's going to try and open a portal, see if he can open a portal next to that mirror as opposed to leaving this wherever he is. To try to teleport out or to see through it? 
to see through it over to there and potentially reach through and grab the mirror from where he's standing. The portal, once again, does not seem to manifest uh, an end point. It just sort of hangs in the air next to you like an empty ring. But as you do peer cautiously out through the tree line, you see that this is actually not a mirror at all. Looks like a lake, a very still lake. And the water is impossibly clean and clear and reflects the sunlight streaming down. You can further see, in the middle of the lake, an island. Rising up from that island are buildings, towers, and crenellations. They look old, but they look like they are well-maintained. There's ivy covering some of them. You can see some wooden scaffolding around one or two of those structures, as if they were in the process of being rebuilt or restored. Danny will walk to the shore, staring at them. He probably would feel some kind of, not nostalgia, but callback to where he came from, because that would be very similar architecturally. Old buildings, well-maintained, but like clearly old. How deep is the lake? It is impossible to tell. As clear as it is, it looks like it goes on forever. Danny does not know how to swim. Your phone beeps again, and the texts now say, Be not afraid. Danny texts back. (laughs) Danny just texts back uh, a crying emoji. You receive back a hugging emoji. Danny will shrug his shoulders and just slowly inch out into the water until he's like waist deep and then see what happens. The water seems to support your weight. Danny starts doing jumping jacks. You seem to be able to walk across the surface of it. You can certainly do jumping jacks across the surface of it. Danny is like a child, just like excited. Like, is there like ripples in the water as Danny like walks on it? Or is there like little splashlets or is it just kind of like a, like a water floor? We can say there's splashes. We can say there's ripples. Danny is truly so excited. Danny has completely forgotten about the unease he was having towards this situation and has started to do cartwheels and uh, jump uh, like this because Danny has not dealt with this before. He has never seen a lake before um he has i know we like live on the pier but it was night so this is like danny's first not crime experience with a large body of water and danny has become somehow more childish than before doing cartwheels and playing around and just poking it with like a stick um probably i'll be honest for a couple hours just playing around with it until until he gets bored and decides to go see what the, the, the buildings are about. After a few minutes of this, your phone would chime again, and the arrow would be back and it would say this way, and it would be pointing towards the island. Danny would text back, give me a moment, I'm recapturing something. You'd get back a message that says, in that same sort of too large font, time is of the essence. Okay, then Danny will sigh, and while Danny will be making his way towards the buildings, towards the arrow, he will still be 
leisurely pacing and playing with the water as he goes. I will say, being in this serene place and getting the chance to just sort of play like this without, you know, the weight of of everything, your mission and the world and your teammates even, and their problems weighing down on you, does bring back this sort of childlike wonder to Danny. And I will say you are no longer hopeless. Oh, yay. Yeah. So there's that. You keep walking. You, you pass more of the water. You step across it, and it seems to support your weight the same way. You see some ripples go out, and very soon you are on the shore of the island itself. And as you step onto shore, it's interesting because one moment you're standing on the water... And you see the buildings, you see the ivy, you see the scaffolding, but you don't really see people. You don't really see anyone. But as you set foot on the shore of the island, suddenly people appear. You can see beings moving through the buildings across the island. This place is bustling. You see people, but their manner of dress is strange it's it's kind of archaic some of them are wearing cloaks some of them are wearing full suits of armor but you don't see any modern clothing you don't see any of the things you have come to expect from modern day during your time in province while noticing that dan would be like finally a place with some style (laughs) standing on the shore as well She just kind of appears as you set foot on the shore, like she's waiting for you almost. There's a woman, and she is absolutely ethereal. Her skin is very pale. She is very tall, but still very willowy at the same time. Her hair is very long down to her back. It is stark white, and it is braided very elaborately. She is dressed in flowing robes, flowing garments. She's not wearing a dress or anything gendered like that, but her clothing as it is, is just very flowing. It is very white. It has very elaborate patterns stitched and embroidered into it. She is just a very ethereal looking woman in flowing clothing. Is she making, like, is she looking right at Danny? She is. Danny will, like, scoot to the side a little bit to see if her eyes follow him. They do follow, and her expression is one of amusement, maybe? There's a small smile sort of tugging at the corner of her mouth, and she says, Yes, I I can see you. I can also see you, so we can see each other. Yes, I, I thought you might. Hi, I'm Danny. Hello, Danny. My name is Nimue. Um, I have questions. I have a question, Nimue. First of all, it's very nice to meet you. Secondly, that was not a question, so I apologize for that. My question is, where are we currently? This is the island of Avalon. Hmm. Okay. Um, I have more questions. 
So I've been reading a lot of books and um, I know this is, can I see your sword? I would like to see the sword. The smile grows more pronounced on her face and she says, I no longer wield the blade Excalibur. It belongs to another now. Oh. Well. Can I? You know what? You seem like you know what you're doing. Can I get... I would like to leave. I'm so sorry. You're very nice. My <laughs> friends need me right now. Um, uh, I, I don't know if they need me. I don't want to make assumptions, but I w- would like to be with my friends. Not to say that you and I will not become friends. You seem very nice. I like your um, jumpsuit, but I... I'm I'm panicking, Nimue. I'm so sorry. This is a lot, and I'm not used to this. And your water does not work the way other water does, which is cool in theory, but, like, it scares me. Take a breath. Take a moment. Danny is hyperventilating a little bit. Time is different here. When she says time, Danny calms down for, like, a brief second and goes... When are we? As I said, time is different here. It means less. You are currently between times. Were I the one who brought you here, I could return you to any point in time or space that you required, especially to the point that you left. But I did not bring you here. And thus, your situation is more complicated. So someone else brought me here. Do you know who? I have some suspicions. There's a demon who does not like me. I am familiar Could he bring somebody here? Perhaps. Though, this is hard to explain. The Bright is a curious place. It is both nowhere and everywhere simultaneously. It is one place and it is many. And where we are now, where we stand on the shores of Avalon, That is beyond his reach. Your magic is impressive. Thank you. I, uh, I, I don't remember where it came from. What do you think it does? I think it opens portals to places, but... I think it does more than that, and I don't know what. That is the cut. But it is not the blade. That is the outcome. But it is not your magic. Are you saying I'm a sword? And then the biggest grin just appears on Danny's mouth. I am saying that... Your magic is more complicated... More powerful than simply creating ways from 
one point to another point. Your magic, strange as it is to me, is about being where you need to be. Kanan's going to sit on that for a second and then think about all the times he was in places he was not supposed to be and then go, so I was supposed to meet Lyra's teacher. The threads of fate are tangled and complex. Few can decipher them. Can you help me decipher them? Your fate? Is that what you're asking? It's the scariest thing I think I've ever asked anybody, but... Yes. I will not look. I'm sorry. I understand. You could look away while I look. I'm afraid that's not how it works. Mm. My point is that your magic has brought you here as a stop on a journey, I believe. To what end, I know not. Danny's gonna pause and then be like, my portals aren't working here. Can you teach me how to make them work here? If your power was to be exactly where and when you need to be. Then I need to be here right now. Your gateways failed you. Yes. Why might that be? Is everything okay here? Do you need help? In Avalon, all is well. She gestures back at her towards the buildings that are partially reconstructed and says, We are rebuilding. Slowly. But it is almost unrecognizable from what it was once. Dead and barren, decaying. When magic was sealed away, Avalon died. And when it was brought back by Excalibur and its wielder, it came back to life. As did so much of the world. Well, I guess I can pick up a hammer and help until my powers tell me where I need to be. At that moment as you say that, a portal opens a few feet away from you. Is it Danny colored or is it? It is Danny different... colored. It is magenta. Uh, <laughs> Danny colored. <laughs> uh, Danny will look at the hammer he has just picked up and over at the portal and then over back at the hammer and be like, well, my work here is done. And then put the hammer into his overalls and then wave goodbye to Nimue. Um, and be like, let's let's hang again soon, and then walk into the portal. One moment. It would appear the next step of your journey begins, but I would not want you to face it alone. Danny will, like, freeze, like, mid-step hand wave and be like, oh, do you have a cool thing for me? And Danny will get, like, all smiles again. 
the comrades that you would want in your side the most, who are very part of your being, they can walk beside you if only temporarily, created from your memories, your love for them. All you have to do is look into the lake. Danny, without a second, will walk over to it, look in, and hopefully see them looking back. You walk over to the edge of the lake, and you look down at it, and you see your reflection, first and foremost, but then, on either side of you, walking up, you see Spectral and Bethel and Victory. They put hands on your reflection's shoulders and smile back at you reassuringly. And then the water ripples. All three of them emerge from the water as if they had been submerged, soaking wet, possibly gasping for air, but standing there nonetheless. Danny will use his sleeves to try and towel them off. (laughs) And you're all there? (coughs) I have a a, a out of character. Um, These are memories of them. These aren't really them, correct? These are, for all intents and purposes, them exactly. But they are the squad as created by Danny's memories and feelings and thoughts. So exactly the same as the originals, but... So the the squad before the frass is what you're yes. saying. Yep, yep. The squad <laughs> okay. as Danny last saw them. Uh, yeah, Danny's going to be very excited, um, but also, like, Danny is basically going to look at them and be like, hey, you're my friends, right? Obviously. Yeah, probably. I think, are we friends right now? I We had a fight, but I I already forgave you in my heart, so I think we, <laughs> we are good. And we're friends. Yeah. This is... Where are we? We are in Avalon. And this is Nimue. And then Danny will gesture to Nimue. Is Nimue still there? Yes, Nimue is still there. This is Nimue. She had a cool sword. It is no longer here. Nice to meet you, ma'am. You as well. Alex is distracted, posing, looking at his own reflection in the water and flexing. Kaz is (laughs) pretending this isn't happening and is just looking around at the architecture and asks Danny, have you had a chance to explore? I haven't. Um, The water does this cool thing where you can walk on it, but then you guys came through it. So now I'm worried it doesn't do that anymore. Nimue will, at that point, speak, and she will do a very flowery, welcome sort of monologue for all of you, basically greeting you and welcoming you to Avalon. But as she is saying that, her eyes dart over to Danny, and even though the three of you, Kaz, Alex, and Lyra, are hearing Nimue welcome you to Avalon, Danny, what you hear is her voice as she says, Remember that they are but shadows that walk beside you. They are born of your mind, and they will fade. But in the meantime, they will protect you. Danny's heart jumps into his throat. Because while they may 
be memories. They may be shadows. They are still his family. And Danny will walk towards the portal and be like, we've got to go. We have work to do. And Nimue will say after you, right before you step through the portal, she will say, We will meet again. You will return to Avalon. You have much left to do. Danny will smile, wipe away a tear as he does so, and nod. You step through the portal. You emerge on the other end of it. Back in your time, back in your world, the ground beneath your feet as the four of you step out is sort of, it's packed dirt. It's earth. And you can see as you look around that you're in some kind of construction yard. It looks like it hasn't been touched in a while, but you can see that there are building supplies piled up to one side. You can see the partially constructed bones of a structure on the other end of the yard. You can see a few pieces of equipment sitting abandoned, and the like tattered remains of construction company signs and advertisements on the fence that circles the yard. When you say we return to my time, do you mean present day where like Danny just came from, or do you mean where Danny is from originally? It looks to be like where you just came from. It looks to be the modern day. Danny's going to look over to Bethel and be like, this is, this is where you take the lead. As you're sort of standing there baffled, you hear the sound of raised voices and the unmistakable noise of a an energy blast of some kind from the other side of the construction yard maybe uh, maybe near or in the partially constructed building and i think that definitely kind of like shakes the general confusion i think this bethel lyra has of what what is going on in this moment and she kind of like springs into that is clearly something that needs to be checked on. And she will sort of pivot in that direction and say, well, that sounds like that's for us, I would assume. And just starts heading over towards that disruption. You all follow after your, your squad leader, I'm assuming. And as you reach the other side, moving towards the commotion, you see two figures. They appear to be battling one another. It's hard to tell. They are both maybe even a little bit younger than you. It's hard to say. But they are wearing costumes. One of them, the smaller of the two, is wearing a singlet with a very elaborate sort of unmistakable wrestling belt around the waist and a leather jacket over that with like a almost like a half cowl where it sort of covers their eyes but it leaves their mouth exposed and their hair out as well they have dark hair sort of wavy the other person is kind of dressed like a stage magician who walked out of a hot topic 
and is wearing a Phantom of the Opera mask that sort of covers the top half of his face. He is taller of the two, but still very thin, and he is clearly the source of these energy blasts that you are hearing. He is uh, sort of waving his hands in these patterns and sending these blasts of eldritch magical energy towards the smaller boy who is kind of doing he's doing these elaborate gymnastics to avoid them sort of back flipping all over the place and at one point it looks like he's about to back handspring through like directly into a pillar like a a steel pillar but he seems to pass right through it as if his body wasn't solid he laughs and challenges the older boy says in a voice it's a little bit it cracks a little bit as he's speaking and as he laughs and he says is that is that all you got and the taller boy says oh i'm just getting started and continues to send more magic flying what do you do it appears you have not been noticed bethel is this is this who are we stopping i'm very confused i thought we were going to an alley and this is not an alley and I out of curiosity the okay so the the stage magician hot topic man um does th- this does this look anything like Artemis Eldritch's old costume in fact it does and I think you would even recognize from your your time at the Paragon Museum as much as Dr. Victory sort of drilled it into you and made you go there you'd even recognize the other person as well as one of the original founding members of Generation H who went by the moniker Metagame but eventually left the team. Wait, wait, wait. I... Wait, I know these guys. Well, I know... I know them now that they're old, I think. What does that mean? Um, the guy in the, the, in the mansion. Uh, the guy with the, 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 the cereal... Michael. I pointed the Phantom of the Opera band. Yeah, that's um that's his high school cringe right there, I think. Oh what is cringe? <laughs> I feel like this is something we weren't meant oh. to see, but I love it. And this the other ones, that's uh oh shoot, I don't know as much about them. I think Metagame. I think at that that kind of like pivots Lyra away from these kids again back to Danny and is just like can your portals go through time as well as place now? I guess they always kind of could but the last time I did it I didn't really it hurt and it was painful and it was hard I don't think I did this but it was your portal we went through Okay. Danny's going to take a breath and try and remember everything he learned about all the time travel movies he's watched while being holed up in his room alone. (laughs) And be like, okay, so I don't know how time travel laws work. I have an idea of how time travel laws work. That said, it is entirely possible that a different Danny from the future and or the past that I don't remember opened that portal. And if that is the case, yes, I opened that portal, but not the Danny you're currently talking to. That is so much to unpack. So, like, quantum leap rules. The question is whether, we, whether we're talking about, like, time cop rules or looper rules. As you are debating time travel <laughs> rules, you notice the competition between these two 
you've determined that it is friendly in nature. They are sort of training slash playing. And as you are having this conversation, you notice that the blast of magical energy that Artemis Eldritch has been summoning and sending flying at his friend have somewhat destabilized part of the structure. And as metagame slides to a stop from having just dodged one, a riveted beam from over his head sort of groans quietly and shifts. And he is too busy telling Artemis Eldritch how much he sucks and that he needs to get good to notice. And it comes free with a screech falling towards him. You notice this, what would you like to do? I think Lyra would probably like smack the back of like Alex's shoulder and be like, go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think uh, Alex was already kind of starting to spring into action. So Lyra, like giving him that little shove, almost kind of like rockets him into the air, not flying. Danny doesn't know that he can do that. So he can't do that here. But he, but as a super strength jump. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What did I miss? So, uh, much, so, much, so much, so much, so much, so much is the answer. Listen, there's a reason yeah. why I had to specify if we were friends by stating before the frat party or after. All right. Well, I'm, oh boy. Okay. We had uh, a lot has happened. You'll you'll hear yeah. it on the podcast. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like the rockets into the air to super strength jump to try and catch the bee. Okay, roll to uh, defend someone. Roll with Savior. Uh, that is... Oh, that is a uh, 12. Okay, perfect. You keep them safe and you can choose one. You can add a team to the pool, take influence over someone you protect, or clear a condition. Uh, I don't think I have any conditions currently. I think I cleared them all. Uh, so I'm going to add a team to the pool. Very exciting. How do you stop the beam? What does it look like? Alex is rocketed into the air. It almost, like, from your position, almost looks like Lyra, like, slaps him on the back and he just, <laughs> like, flies off in, like, a single fluid motion. And yeah, he catches the beam midair and just kind of lands with it. Perfect. And you are you're holding it up. Are you just like gonna keep holding it up? Do you drop it? What are you What are you doing? I'm going to uh, place it gingerly upon the ground. Perfect. Okay, great. And metagame kind of fell flat on his ass when you did that. When you leaped in and caught the beam, he is clearly surprised. Sort of falls back on the ground. He's kind of just lying there supporting himself on his elbows, looking at you. His eyes are wide. You can see them through the goggles that he is wearing. He stutters out like, uh, thanks. Uh. Victory kind of looks at him. He's like, uh, yeah, no problem. By the way, cool goggles, cool cowl, cool singlet, actually, now that you mention it. (laughs) Um, anyway, gotta go. And we'll super try to super strength jump away to a place of unobservedness. And he's in the process. Metagame is in the process of being like, thanks. I'd like yours to uh, wait. Hold on. I don't. Who? who?" And he is going to try to run after you uh, just a little bit. 
But the rest of you, what are you doing? Are you trying to hide? Are you still just standing there where you are open and observable? I think Lyra's kind of like ducked down a little bit because now she's freaked out about like time travel rules and now she's sitting here like, should was I supposed to let that happen? Should we have let him get crushed? Like Lyra's like sitting here trying to be like, did we do something bad by saving that child or were we supposed to save that child? So Lyra's just kind of like crouched down trying to be out of sight thinking she's probably got like one hand on Danny and one hand on Kaz just in case either of them try to go anywhere but she's just like I don't know if we should have done that should we have done that Danny's gonna look over at Bethel and be like we're still here so I think we're fine um also I don't know if this is really happening okay but I think I think we're okay um so, out, out of character, um, this is before magic was reawakened, right? Yes. Danny's going to try and open a portal. You are not able to open a portal. Danny's just a regular person, so Danny's not going to hide. Danny's just a person who dresses eccentrically. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And as you are standing there, a little ways away, you can see in the structure, metagame still sort of standing there. Looking around, very confused, he's kind of like scratching at his head, trying to figure out where victory just went. But there is a burst of light from where you are kind of all standing, and the uh, Malgoth stage magician, Phantom of the Opera guy, Artemis Eldritch, steps through his own portal. He appears in that flash of light, and he looks down at all of you where you are kind of like crouched or hiding, except for, for Danny. And says, okay, who are you? Kaz looks at Bethel. We're passing through, Michael. Do you call him Michael? (laughs) She does. Lyra's just like, (laughs) like she says it and then she's just immediately like, oh, fuck. Hold on. And he like, his hands light up and he kind of like raises them over his head in like a complicated magical placement (laughs) and says what did you just say and i point at kaz and i just say i'm talking to michael (laughs) right yeah me i am also michael okay look you're some of you he looks meaningfully at kaz and then a little bit unsure at danny but then kind of gestures to Alex and Lyra and says, some of you are wearing costumes and you just saved my friend. So I'm thinking you're not like super villains. No, we're, we're not, but we're, we're definitely just passing through. We don't mean to be interrupting whatever you're doing. I didn't think that there were other, you know, heroes our age surprise cool mask he like narrows his eyes at you under the mask trying to figure out if you're making fun of him or meaning that and then he kind of takes in your whole aesthetic and is like no you probably get it okay okay i'm artemis eldritch from generation h look uh do you 
Do you have names? Do you? I mean, you said you're just passing through, but like, how long are you going to be here for? Do you want to do a team up? Harold <laughs> just like looks at Danny again. He's <laughs> just like, uh. Me and my fellow Michaels aren't sure how long <laughs> we're going to be here. We may be here for a while. We may be done. But, hmm. I guess we're down to help while we're here. If you don't, as long as you don't ask any questions about who we are or where we came from. Sure. That's, you know, pretty standard operating procedure. Uh, Look, this is very, this is real weird, uh, but you saved Austin, I mean, metagame, and uh, yeah, I guess, I guess you're cool, so you're welcome to stick around as, as long as you, uh, as long as you want, I, I guess. We appreciate it. His speech, he's kind of like talking in a he has kind of a strange speech pattern as he's as he's talking to all of you because he seems, he seems to be he'll talk for a while and then mid sentence he'll kind of stop and his eyes kind of like look away as it almost as if he's listening to something that you can't hear and then he'll pick a sentence back up but then he'll stop a few words later as, again as if he was listening to something it's very strange sorry about the uh, the weird introduction we just. We weren't really expecting to run into anybody quite like this, so we're a little off guard, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, I, look, I didn't know that you exist. I guess you maybe didn't know that, that we exist. It, I guess it's not often that, like, two you know, teen superhero teams cross paths, especially because I didn't know there were any others. Uh, at all like they said we were the first like an experiment kind of and it's going well and we're the second one and then Danny's gonna wink to Bethel like three times in a row yeah yeah all of all of us Michaels yep just a bunch of Michaels hanging out we're team Michael That's just what we call ourselves. Generation Michael, that's us. <laughs> Generation M for Michael. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, all right. Look, I should get back to m- metagame, but I guess just like hit me up. Uh, I don't know. You got phones and he'll, he pu- he will pull out like a, a razor like slide phone. <laughs> yeah, I must have forgotten mine today. Uh uh give me your number and I'll uh, write it down. Sure. Very like trustingly. He's like, "Yeah, sure, it's this." And he gives you a string of numbers. He reads out a string of numbers or he recites a string of numbers. Danny, as you're looking at him as he's telling Kaz the series of digits, you see this shadow sort of standing behind him. It is very faint. It is very 
intangible, very hard to see, but you kind of see this presence sort of looming behind him, looming over him, standing behind him. Does it have any defining features or is it more of like a sense? It's more of a it's more of a sense. It's very vague. You can try to pierce the mask if you want. You could roll with mundane. Let me double check my mundane. Oh no. Okay. <gasps> oh shit, I got a nine. Nice. That's okay. okay, cool. Yeah, with a nine, you can ask one question. These questions can sort of apply more to the shadow than to Artemis Eldritch himself. I would like to know what the shadow is planning. You focus on the shadow and it resolves more in your vision. And you're not sure if this is some sort of new manifestation of your powers or if it's because of where you are or this strange journey that you're on. But um, the shadow kind of resolves and it defines itself more as you stare at it more carefully. And it it's sort of becomes it doesn't gain substance it doesn't get more solid but it it becomes clearer to you in your vision and you can you can see it sort of take shape into an older man he has long black hair kind of shot through with silver sort of pulled back into a loose braid he has a beard on his face that is a little bit unkempt similarly black with strands of silver shot through it and his manner of dress what he's wearing is similarly very archaic it almost reminds you of what you saw in Avalon is he am I seeing him like outside of the shadow or am I seeing this inside the shadow itself you are seeing the shadow resolve into this into this man is there any way I could pull him like out of this using, you know, whatever tangential connection I feel to this, like, new form of power, could I pull him out out of, for lack of a better term, the Shadow Realm and into <laughs> reality? Whatever you are now able to see, it does not seem to include the ability to control or interact with this man, but you can see, as he, as he takes more shape, you can see that he is sort of hunched over, sort of leaned down, and he is whispering into Artemis Eldritch's ear. And he has a a grin on his face, a very sinister sort of grin. Is there a way I could perhaps extend my ability to the others? To let them see it? Yeah. I will say that you can try to use your powers. I will say you can try to unleash your powers and you can roll with freak. We'll call it extending your senses. All right. I got a nine. With a nine, you can do it. But you have to mark a condition or I will tell you how the effect is unstable or temporary. Mm, let me see what condition makes sense here. I guess I would, I'll, I'll mark afraid um, because this is, Whatever this is, is clearly uh, unsettling me. And for it to have an effect over someone as powerful as him, then I, I think that would make me uh, immediately very leery, which is kind of why I want to share the vision with them to begin with. So. so you all, as you are 
standing there and listening to Artemis Eldridge talk, your vision kind of flashes magenta for a second, and you see the same thing that Danny is seeing. You see this sort of shadowy, semi-translucent figure standing behind Artemis Eldridge, hunched over and whispering into his ear. I think Kaz's eyes go wide at that, and he definitely, like, takes a step back, but then tries to play it off and says, oh, the the ground's uh, really unstable here. We probably shouldn't be out here for much longer. At this point, you hear Metagame call out from the other side of the construction site and just goes like, Michael? Michael? And Artemis Eldritch's eyes under the mask just kind of like closes them and takes a a deep breath, sort of like a serenity now sigh. And it's like, yeah, I should, uh, I should get going. Wait. Danny screams, positive that this shadow man is the reason he's here. I, what if you chilled with uh, your fellow Michaels, you know? What if we had a good old Michael off? Look, yeah, I mean, I definitely want to hang more. And I know you said you're just passing through, but like, you got my number. I just got things we got to do right now. But like, let's definitely link up later. Trade stories and tips and all that good stuff. You have stuff. a ghost. You have 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 a ghost. I'm so sorry. You have a ghost. You have a ghost. Danny. You have a ghost. Danny. 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 <laughs> Artemis Eldritch looks uh, alarmed at that. And as he opens his mouth to respond, a portal, magenta portal, a Danny portal, opens behind all of you and starts to do something that one of these has never done before. It starts to suck you all in. <laughs> I was going to say, is it chasing us? <laughs> um, so me and my fellow Michaels are going to go as like we are like slowly being pulled back um yeah. artemis eldritch looks alarmed but you should you should really deal with that ghost looks like it's a creepy old man living in your shadow and um I, maybe i have made things worse by telling you but my portal is here so we're gonna go yeah that's our ride yeah it was wonderful michaeling with you uh yeah, anyway finger goodbye. Guns. <laughs> <laughs> i have a question because because this is going to depend on how I speak to Danny afterwards. Lyra knew about Ravenholm Manor and Michael prior to when, like, in the beginning, because that was part of her initial research. Yeah. Uh, yes. Sort of. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the sort of. How much of what went on with his buddies was public knowledge? Probably not a whole lot. I think a lot of that was kept fairly under wraps. It was kind of just one of those things where as far as the the public was concerned, I mean, Artemis Eldritch is not really a name that gets talked about much because he did change his superhero handle shortly thereafter and did eventually stop being a superhero altogether, obviously. A lot of the specifics were never really public knowledge. Is it possible when um, Danny stole all those books, though, is it like, could it potentially a journal have made it in there and Danny could have some of that info? It is hard uh, to say. What I will say, I'll say this, because Bethel specifically did research 
ahead of time on this. Bethel, I think you would have found some references to the fact that Artemis Eldritch and later Spellbound, as he came to call himself, a much better name, was dealing with some kind of possession or a angry spirit of some kind. The details are very vague and inconsistent. There's a lot of speculation and a lot of conflicting stories, but all the sources that you could find seem to agree he eventually overcame it. I think that is probably all Lyra will communicate to Danny when we tumble out of wherever this portal is forcing us to go. She kind of like rolls up to her feet, turns to where Danny is, where he was going on about his ghosts. And she's just like, he gets rid of it, I promise. Oh, so we helped. Uh, Maybe we were the ones who told him about the ghost and he fixed the ghost. I don't know that. I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know anything. Why did I do that? Why did I, I should have, obviously I meant I couldn't, like, I couldn't just like let it hit him, right? But I just like, I don't know. Did I just end the universe? I'm a little, I, I, I don't think know. it's okay. I, just, I think I it's okay. Thought. Danny says that we're all still here and that means it's okay. Danny's going to put his shoulder on victory and say, Michael, don't worry about it. Okay. If we're still here, then it's okay. And if we're still here, because maybe we're all like, Oh God, what do you call it? When we're all paradoxes, then that's okay too. Because look, don't worry about it. Um, you are my best friends and I'm not worried about you at all. That sounded very (laughs) convincing. I believe you. (laughs) As you step out of this portal, you look around at where you are and you see this does not look like home. This does not look like province. It is hard to tell when you might be. You are in a city. You know that much. But it is not an American city. The architecture and the climate and the ground under your feet, some of the decorations that you can see on the buildings around you, all indicate to you that while you may not know exactly where you are, you are somewhere in the Middle East. It is quiet. It is very quiet. And then from building directly to your right, you hear the sound of gunfire erupt. You see the windows light up with the flash of muzzle fire. The shooting continues. You hear cries of alarm raised, people shouting in a language none of you understand. And then a second later, the shooting stops. The cries of fear They turn to screams. They turn to screams of terror. The light that you thought was flashes of muzzle fire and may have been gives way to an even brighter light as the building itself goes up in an explosion. It shatters rock and debris, concrete, stone in a large radius, partially demolishes 
the buildings to either side of this one. In the aftermath of this, as things start to quiet down, all of your ears are ringing. You've managed to avoid the debris. Maybe Alex sort of, like, interposed himself, kind of turned his back and blocked all of the debris from hitting you all. You see stepping out of the remains of this building a soldier. It looks like an American soldier, except his uniform has kind of a superhero costume bend to it. Sort of the olive green fatigue that you would expect from the United States military, but it is cut in such a way that it almost resembles that sort of signature singlet superhero style. Sort of a one-piece jumpsuit almost. There are a few buttons undone. Dog tags hanging out. On each of the shoulders of the uniform, there's an American flag stitched with a radiation symbol. The helmet that this man wears has sort of a domino mask faceplate that covers his eyes. He walks out of the rubble with that same sort of glow still clinging to him. And he drops to his knees in the middle of the street as debris continues to rain down and people cry out in pain behind him. The portal opens again, sucks you all through before you can do anything. Now you find yourselves in a warehouse, perhaps, of some kind. Again, you're not sure where or when you are exactly, but you can see crates and equipment scattered around you. You're standing on a scaffolding catwalk over the warehouse. All of the boxes and things that you can see below you appear to have Russian writing on them. As you look across this warehouse, across the scaffolding and the catwalk that you are standing on, you see two figures that you recognize. They appear to be locked at the hands, sort of clasped, struggling against each other, back and forth. One of them, you would all immediately recognize from the weird upside-down mansion you once found yourselves in. You immediately recognize Deathless Comrade. The other figure, you would also somewhat recognize from recent interactions, although he appears to be younger here. You see Dr. Victory. They are locked in a fight. There is some piece of equipment on the ground far below them that is ramping up. You can see light starting to spill out of it. You can see turbines and other mechanical components starting to like spin faster, operate faster. It's making more and more noise and Dr. Victory as they are struggling with each other cries out and says you'll never win comrade no matter how many times I'll be here I'll stop you Deathless Comrade stills for a second and says yes perhaps this is the problem light flashes from his hands once again The two of them are gone. The machine below you continues to ramp up. 
a portal opens and sucks you through. You are in a house. Once again, unclear when or where exactly, but it is dark. It is nighttime. And as you appear, you can already hear the sound of gunfire. You can hear the sound of screams from upstairs. Sounds of women and children. The portal opens again. You're pulled away into a street that you do recognize. The middle of downtown province. The exact date is unclear, but looking around, you can tell that it is in the past. Cars are older. The way people are dressed is older. And they are running past you, clearly trying to get away from something. They all seem to be turning the corner up ahead as if to flee something. You can hear people crying out and screaming as they go. As you move up and look around the corner, you see a great mechanical suit standing ten feet tall. Mostly, it is arms and legs. A little bit gangly, it would almost even be comical. But in the center pod of this suit, you can see an old man. He looks deranged. His expression is wild and unhinged. He is wearing a lab coat and a strange shirt, unlike anything you've ever seen, unlike any type of fashion that you've ever seen and he is struggling. His suit is battling with a man who is almost as tall as the suit itself is, standing at roughly eight feet. His bald head gleams in the sun. He wears a black suit that covers his entire body. Again, almost comical musculature. He is incredibly muscular. And... As you watch, the suit swings one hand at him. He puts up a hand and catches it, sort of strains against him for a moment. They trade words with each other, but the dialect is strange. It it almost sounds like English every, like, third word or so. But the rest of it is just indecipherable. It sounds like gibberish. And they, they stand there doing battle with each other. The suit swings once again, this time one arm, the other arm, the one that the man, the strong man has not stopped, wraps its robotic fingers around his throat. It lifts him off the ground with a screech of metal and gears, and it slowly starts to choke the life out of Paragon. Hey, Danny, what the absolute fuck? I I don't know. I don't know. Like, Danny is, like, starting to panic. I don't know. We keep going further back in time, and... (sighs) And I'm glad you're all here. Danny will put on the fake smile that Danny used to put on when he was feeling traumatized because he does not want to uh, stress his friends out, even though we are at a point where they would know that that means Danny is hiding something. And Danny will once again look to Bethel and be like, tell me what to do. 
that's Paragon, and I think this is what's happening is what's happening. She can't die. This is not where he dies, so help him, I guess. I don't know. Uh, if we need to be surreptitious, I don't know. Um, uh, Bethel, the, the can you do anything about the casing on the suit, the, the cockpit? I know it's like future glass or something, but I don't know. It's glass, right? I can try. I can try to crush it inwards. It probably, it'll at least distract him enough that probably Paragon can get out. I can try. I can try. Lyra will try. All right. Roll to, I think, unleash your powers, because you're not necessarily trying to hurt the man that you know is Hieronymus Fugit, the world's original supervillain from the future. Uh, and that is, what is... That is with Freak. Oh, that's a negative one right now. But that's okay, because a six and a five makes an eleven, so that's a ten. That's a ten. That is a ten. Um, you... We saved the future. You reach out with your powers, <laughs> and you feel the particulates in his cockpit. It is not glass. You don't know what it is. It doesn't feel like anything that you've ever touched with your powers before, but you find you can manipulate it a little bit. You can you can assert your will over it. It starts to crack. It starts to sort of fold inward. The mechanical hand for a second wrapped around Paragon's throat. It seems to stop applying pressure for a moment. And then you hear from the cockpit sort of broadcast over some kind of speaker system. You hear this old man say, I don't know how you're doing this, but it won't save you. The crushing continues. You hear Paragon gasping for air. Danny, Danny, can you make a portal in the middle? Danny's going to try and make a portal under the robot's foot to try and throw it off balance. That'd be defend or unleash my powers. I think in this case that would be defend, we will say. Roll savior. I got a seven. It's not a failure. You didn't fail. So it's going to cost you. You can expose yourself to danger, or you can escalate the situation. I think by... Mm, I think it involves, since Danny is like having to step out of the pretending to be a civilian thing, I think it would expose him to danger. Okay. You create a portal. A magenta flash of light appears under the mechanical suit's foot. It sinks into the ground, is thrown off balance, and that appears to give Paragon exactly the moment he needs. He reaches up with both of his hands. He pries the mechanical hand away from his throat, and then with a mighty heave, he yanks the arm out of the mechanical suit entirely. It comes free with a a screech of metal, leaving wires and gears sort of littering the street behind it. The other arm comes in for a swing as the suit tries to right itself as Hieronymus Fugit tries to redouble his efforts, but again, Paragon is ready this time. He sort of catches it under one arm, and he punches the shoulder joint once, and that arm too comes free. But at that moment, from across the street, from the other side of the battle, there's a flash of light. You all look, and from the other side of the battle, you see 
one man standing there. He looks normal. His hair is red, kind of combed to one side. He is average height. He's wearing a an ill-fitting suit, but he lowers a camera as he stares at the two titans doing battle in front of him. Doesn't appear to pay much attention to you all at all. Doesn't even seem to notice you're there. He lowers the camera and he stares in wonder. Did this not Jimmy Olsen just get a picture of my portals? Very hard to say. <laughs> Your portals are of you. <laughs> oh no. Oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Paragon locks one hand between the two legs of this mech suit. He puts another hand on the top of the cockpit and he lifts it overhead and this time as he yells out, you understand most of what he says. There's a little bit of an inflection and a little bit of strangeness mixed in that you can't account for, but he says, I won't let you hurt anyone else. And then he slams the suit into the ground, the cockpit flies open, maybe because of the stress cracks that somebody created in it earlier. And a defeated old man sort of crawls out of it on his hands and knees as Paragon stands there in the street, towering over him, looking every bit like the defender of the world he would come to be. Another portal opens behind you. It starts tugging at you as if it were beckoning you. Danny's gonna... He's not gonna kill the old man, is he? He did not in history. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think so, but I wanted to make sure like me changing this could not potentially have led to him murdering... committing a murder. I don't want to have the Dark Age of Comics happen 60 years earlier than it did. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't appear to be making any move towards the man. He's just kind of standing there. Then Danny is gonna go through the portal. Okay. Yeah. Following along. Yep. I think. Yeah. I think uh, Alex could just kind of like like slide backward into the portal, like Homer into the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> what a reference! You step out of the portal, and this time you recognize exactly where you are. You're on the shores of Avalon. Nimue stands perhaps about 50 feet away from you. She's facing a tower that you can now see as you pay closer attention to it. Appears to only be held together by lines of light connecting the different stones. She moves her hands in front of her in intricate patterns and these stones fit together more tightly. She doesn't turn to look at you, but you hear her say, as if you're standing right next to you. How was your journey? Not great. I saw what I think were war crimes and a ghost and I'm going to get a lecture when I get back about safe time traveling, which like sucks because I thought I was doing this not to be having these lectures. How are you? How how is how's construction going? Avalon lives. She is coming together slowly. But things worth doing right 
take a long time. I've been gone for a minute, haven't I? I wish I could tell you exactly how long. But you went where you were meant to go. And you saw what you were meant to see, for better or worse. Trust in your gift, Danny. I think it's time for me to go back. But I don't think I can take them with me. No. Nimue, I know we're new friends. But can you do me a favor? Perhaps. Can you keep them here? Uh, Danny, in a way, they will always be here because they are of here. They are of the lake. They are your memories. They are each the way that you see them made real. Then if they're real, can I give up my memories so that they get a chance to live? Danny, they only exist because you remember them. I've just lost a lot of friends. They are waiting for you. So these three will live on in me? As long as you remember them. Then Danny's going to turn around and gesture for all three very awkwardly to come in for a group hug. You all feel strangely compelled to participate in this group hug. (laughs) You good? I will be. And um, as they hug, Danny brings them back into him. That's where they'll stay. A wave crashes on the shore, and all of them dissolve into water. Wash back out with the wave. Nimue, this was weird. But I think I needed this. Weird. My dear, this is the bright. Danny will, like, smile and nod as if he knows what she means. (laughs) But then when he turns around, he'll be like, if anybody was looking at his face, he'll be like, what the hell is she talking about? And then he will open a portal. It works this time. You open a portal and you step out into the common room of your suite. Is anybody in there? It is empty, but... You hear voices from outside, voices that you recognize. At that moment, your phone rings from a number you do not recognize. I see the phone, and I don't really save numbers, but I feel an urgency to this particular number, and uh, I answer it. And you recognize the voice on the other end immediately. You recognize the voice of Michael Ravenholm. As he says, what did you do? Hey, this is Michael's phone. He's not here right now. I'll talk to you later. And then Danny will throw the phone out the window. And the doorknob turns. Door starts to open. And we'll see you next time on Academy H. If you'd like to keep up with us and what we're up to, you can follow us on Twitter at Live from the Apoc, Instagram and TikTok at Live from the Apocalypse, or join our Discord community, which will be linked in the description down below. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, feel free to give us a good rating and follow us on your podcatcher of choice. 
leave a review if you're so inclined. It really does help us out so much. The donation link to our First Nations Development Institute fundraising campaign can also be found in the description if you'd like to help support Indigenous communities. Join us for the live recordings of Academy H every other Sunday, or any of our many other ongoing live-streamed campaigns that happen throughout the week over at twitch.tv slash livefromtheapocalypse. For all this information and more, check out livefromtheapocalypse.com. As always, nothing we do would be possible without your support, and we appreciate you so much. Until next time. Academy H is edited by Will Malkus, with music and sound effects from Epidemic Sound. Character art by at OxyBellasDraws on Twitter and Instagram. Welcome to Academy M, <laughs> our our Michael actual play podcast. Jesus. <laughs>